Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is your brother Hussein Kamani. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free, and your donation ensures we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has thousands of listeners, so the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting our efforts is endless. You never know who will be able to benefit from your donation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept and jazakumullahu khairan. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah wa kafa. Wa salamun ala ibadihi ladhin astafa, khususan ala sayyidi rasuli wa khatamil anbiya, wa ala alihi laskiya, wa ashabihi latqiya, amma ba'd. In our previous class, we talked about the miraculous birth of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. And we went into some detail regarding it. From that point until Isa salam reaches around about 30 years of age, there really isn't much documented in authentic sources. Now if you turn, if you turn to Christian and Jewish references, you'll find some incidents, some stories mentioned. However, since they aren't documented in the Islamic tradition, through chains that are reliable, we won't spend too much time discussing them. However, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gives us a very interesting description of Sayyidina Isa Alayhi Salam. When we think of Isa Alayhi Salam in his 30s as a young man, you know, at the prime of his prophethood, what image comes to our mind? The reason why this is a very important discussion is because unfortunately we live in a time where history has been whitewashed. When people think of the heroes of history, they think of white people, white men, white women. And when we think of the criminals of history, it's always someone with a heavy accent, someone with funky clothing, someone who has a darker skin tone, and the seeds of racism have been sown into the books of our religion, into the places of worship, and spread all through our history. The reality is that the complex of Isa salam, as relevant or irrelevant it may be, it's, import, it's an important discussion. So we know what the facts are and what reality is. The reason why I say relevant or irrelevant is because a person's skin tone doesn't dictate whether Allah selects them as a prophet or not. They were prophets with all skin tones. That's not something important to us as Muslims. When we talk about someone's complex or their appearance, we're usually discussing it just as an FYI for your information. Otherwise, the height of Ibn Mas'ud doesn't impact the personality of Ibn Mas'ud or the chest size of, of, of Sayyidina, or sorry, um, Ali radiallahu an doesn't impact who he was as a person or what he accomplished. We aren't necessarily obsessed with the external. But when it comes to Sayyidina Isa salam, there is unfortunately an agenda behind this image that we have. People when they think of Isa salam, they think of a white man, slender, very slim, with long straight hair that lies on his shoulders. 
uh, hanging from a cross. When we look at the ahadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in one narration, he says that on the night of Isra and Mi'raj, I met Isa alayhi salam. And I saw him to be red in complex, a reddish skin tone. Similarly, in the hadith of Sahih Muslim, where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is describing Dajjal and his impact on humanity, how he will cause corruption in the earth. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, فَيَبْعَثُ اللَّهُ عِيسَ بْنَ مَرْيَمُ That amongst all of the chaos Dajjal will be causing in the world, Allah will send Isa alayhi salam. كَأَنَّهُ عُرْوَةَ بْنَ And if you look at Isa bin Maryam, he looks very similar to the companion Urwa bin Mas'ud radiallahu an. Now when you open up the books of hadith and tarajim, the biographies, and you study the complex and the features of Urwa bin Mas'ud radiallahu an, you find that he was someone with reddish complexion. He was moderate height. <coughs> he had curly hair that had a flow to it as well. Some scholars argue that Isa um, complexion was of a darker tone. Because when you look at the complex of the people of, of Quds in this area of Sham, it's not just bright, extremely white complex. It's usually a darker one. Now, when we look at Isa as a prophet, Isa very clearly states to his people his mission statement. Why am I here? What am I trying to do? He has a mission. He's a prophet of Allah. He's trying to accomplish something. He is a prophet that's working amongst the people at a time where there are other prophets also there. Zakaria is also alive. Yahya is also alive. Yahya is his cousin. He's also alive and he's working, giving da'wah to people. There are two verses of the Qur'an that I wanted to focus on in which Isa salam himself states what he's trying to accomplish. One is Surah Ali Imran, verse number 51. Isa alayhi salam says, وَمُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيَّ مِنَ التَّوْرَاتِ وَلِيُحِلَّ لَكُمْ بَعْضَ الَّذِي حُرِّمَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَجِئْتُكُمْ بِآيَةٍ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ وَأَطِيعُونَ that I have come to confirm that which has come before me min at-Tawrat from the Torah. The Torah in its law was very strict. So Isa salam is saying, I have brought some ease for you. Things that were previously prohibited are now going to be made permissible. This concept in Islam, we call it Naskh, with a Kha at the end, which can be translated in the English language as abrogation. The Jewish community and Jewish uh, theologians and scholars of fiqh, jurisprudence, have a very big um, disagreement when it comes to this idea and concept of naskh. It's one thing that Muslims and Jews really butt heads on, on an academic level. Muslims firmly believe in the reality and concept of nasq, abrogation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very clearly states in the Qur'an, مَا نَنْسَخْ مِنْ آيَةٍ أَوْ نُنْسِهَا نَأْتِ بِخَيْرٍ مِنْهَا أَوْ مِثْلِهَا That we do not abrogate anything that has been revealed, but we bring something equivalent to it or something greater. Now there is this very big discussion regarding nasq and its importance and why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abrogates commands. The simple of it is, Islamic law 
is sent to people. And people have needs and necessities based on where they are and what, what, which region they live in, what kind of realities they face. Every prophet was sent with a message to a specific group of people. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in His infinite knowledge and wisdom, saw that there was a need for people to, um, there was a need to make an adjustment in the ahkam and the rulings to accommodate the practice of that ruling for the people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed a new ruling. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the unique thing about his message was that it wasn't sent to a group of people. It was sent to all of mankind. When we study the second verse that I will be um, addressing, the verse from Surah Saf, verse number 6, Isa alayhi salam, when stating his mission statement, why he's here, he very clearly says, Ya Bani Israel, inni Rasulullah ilaykum. O Bani Israel, I am the messenger of Allah to you. And the prophets were sent to their people. Rasulullah was sent to all of mankind, therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals the law to him, which goes through the abrogation that it needs to over the period of 23 years, and finally comes to its completion. And after the revelation came to an end, there will no longer be an abrogation in this revelation again. It's finished, it's done, there's no longer any abrogation. Okay, now one important thing to know, when it comes to abrogation, canceling a previous law and instating a new law, it only occurs in issues of jurisprudence in law. It does not occur in aqidah. There was never any abrogation that occurred among the prophets and what they came to people with when it came to theology. No such thing. Because that would raise a very big problem. That would connotate a mistake. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure of that. The belief system that Isa alayhi salam came with is the same belief system Adam alayhi salam came with and it's the same belief system that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam came with. As a Muslim, I can confidently say with all of my heart, full belief, that my belief is exactly the same as all of the prophets that came in history. Every single one of them, if I were to write down my creed and if they were to write their creed, considering that my creed is you know, obviously, inshallah, thumma inshallah, in line with what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam taught us. If we were to write down what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam taught us in terms of our creed and put it against any other prophet, it will be what? Identical. What will it be, guys? Identical. There is never any nust or any cancellation, any change that occurs with what belief system the prophets of Allah bring. So here. Isa alayhi salam says to them, I have come to bring some leniency to you, to make some things permitted that were previously prohibited. And I have come to you with signs from your Lord. So be conscious of your Lord and obey me. Indeed, Allah is my Lord and your Lord. So worship Him. Indeed, this is the straight path. What I teach you is the straight path. The second verse is of Surah Saf, ayah number 6. Surah Saf, ayah number 6. Allah tells us that Isa salam said to the people, وَيَذْ قَالَ عِيسَى بْنُ مَرْيَمِ يَا بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ And remember that time and mention when Isa the son of Maryam said, O Banu Israel, إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ I am the messenger of Allah to you. 
confirming that which came before me from the Torah. That's one responsibility. I'm confirming the which came which from that of that which came before me. And the second responsibility, وَمُبَشِّرًا وَمُبَشِّرًا Mubashiran means someone who's giving glad tidings, someone who's giving you some good news. Bashiran. Wamubashiran and someone here to give you good news. Good news of what? Bi Rasulin of a messenger. Yati who will come. Mimbadi after me. Ismuhu, his name will be Ahmad. His name will be Ahmad. Amongst the names of Rasulullah was Ahmad. Rasulullah this name that he is known by in the earth is Muhammad, while in the heavens he is known as Ahmad. Rasulullah himself said, I am Muhammad. I am Ahmad. And he walked through Anal Mahi and he gave different names that he that he held. And having more names is a sign of having a higher status. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has so many names. Kathratul Asma, having a lot of names. It indicates towards a great maqam of a person, the great rank of a person. Now, this is the message of Isa salam. Straightforward and simple. There's nothing sophisticated, nothing complicated about it. The message of the Prophets of Allah is generally very simple. Remember this. Because a Prophet of Allah does not come only to address intellectual people. Do you guys understand? Aqidah is very basic. That's why if you look at some of the works um, on Islamic belief, many, of scho- many scholars regarding that, they say that there isn't a need for having lengthy works on Islamic belief because our belief is simple. Surah Ikhlas, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ اللَّهُ الصَّمَدُ لَمْ يَلِدُ وَلَمْ يُولَدُ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفْوًا أَحَدُ I don't need you to read some 10-volume book on Islamic creed. <clears throat> if you did, that's good. Because Islamic theology as a science, as a subject, is more or less respons- it's, it's it has a very responsive nature, which means that someone says something wrong, Muslim scholars refute that. Another person says something wrong, the Muslim scholar refutes that. So it's a lot of refutations that are occurring. Most of the statements that Imam Tahawi brings in his famous Aqidah work, it's all refutations. Every statement is more or less refuting someone who said something at some point. Otherwise, if you look at our creed, it's very basic. You know, go and check the Arba'in Nabawi class we did and the recordings we talked about in Hadith Jibreel, what is Iman? And it's a very, very brief discussion. There really isn't um, that much to it. It's nothing too sophisticated. I was once in discussion with a priest and we had a discussion uh, over lunch and he was speaking to me about the idea of Trinity. And he explained it to me. And to be honest with you, he did a decent job. But there was a lot of discussion that we had to go through in order for me to even possibly grasp the root of what he was trying to say. And I can say, inshallah, confidently that as a student of theology, my understanding of theology is generally quite good. So if you, if you kind of throw a theological idea at me, even though I may disagree with it, I can kind of understand the, 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 me- the mechanics behind it. But this one issue of Trinity, I struggled a lot with it, and I still struggle with it. I kind of at the end started understanding where he was coming from, but I didn't really understand it. And I asked him this question, do you really understand it? And he said to me, yes and no. And that's when I said to him, 
any message of a prophet that's so sophisticated that someone like you who holds two PhDs and someone like myself, and again, this isn't out of arrogance, but someone who studied theology for multiple years, if the two of us are struggling to understand something, and we've been discussing it for the last hour, if we're struggling with it, how could this message be from Allah to all of mankind? It doesn't make any sense. I said to him, ask me what my belief is. He said, what's your belief? I said, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. One Allah, Muhammad is a messenger. End of discussion. Do you understand that? Yes, I do. I understand it too. That's the message of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Very simple, very basic. You don't need to hold three, four PhDs to understand it. We don't need any dissertations to explain it. To explain it. The message of Qurwahullahu Ahad, the message of La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, is so clear that if there's a man working in a farm with a, in his, with a pick in his hand, and he's just, you know, just beating away at the ground, and you come to him and say, this is the message, Qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu. Say la ilaha illallah. That's the message that I come to you with. That person would understand it instantly. You don't find the companions ever drilling Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or cross-questioning him, cross-examining him on the belief system because it was so simple, it was so basic. And that's one of the most beautiful things about Islam. That the aqidah, the belief system, is very simple and it's very basic. Now when Isa salam came as a prophet to his people, the primary group of people that he was addressing were people who were associated with the Jewish religion, the Jewish tradition. Okay? These people lived in Quds and the surrounding area. Quds and the, today what's known as the Greater Palestine region, this is where these people lived. Some geopolitical background, the Romans ruled and governed the area, even though they didn't necessarily live there per se, the leaders and rulers didn't live there, but they had a heavy influence there. So the soldiers were there, this is where they ruled, all courts were more or less ruled by them. They had authority, they had sovereignty. The Jews lived there in large numbers and they had influence as well. Alama Bustani writes in his Da'iratul Ma'arif, as quoted by Sheikh Hibdur Rahman in his work on the Prophets. He kind of draws an image of the, the, the state of the Jewish community at the time that Isa salam came. Generally when prophets come, they come to a people who are in need of spiritual revival. Like the Prophet wasallam and the prophets that came before. One prophet usually comes to revive them and then one or two other prophets may come after that to, keep, to further keep them going and getting things in motion and have a complete implementation. That's why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that ana khatamun nabiyyin la nabiyya ba'di and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in another narration al-ulama'u warathatul anbiya that there will be no prophet after me however there will be scholars who will be the heirs of the prophets and they will continue the work of the prophets they will continue to guide people and educate them and coach them teach them what's right from what's wrong so he says that the Jewish community at that time was in a moral downfall. A lot of corruption had spread. He says regarding their aqidah, that their aqidah was so corrupted that it had become pseudo-polytheistic, where there was a lot of shirk involved in their belief system. He talks about how there was a lot of arrogance in the scholars. The scholars were um, very inclined to the worldly pleasures and treasures, as a result of which they took the audacity to do tahrif in revelation. Tahrif means 
uh, changing revelation either in word or in meaning. Sometimes they changed the meanings of what was being said in the word. And at times they even took the audacity to change the, the word itself. He says that the, 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 that region was in such a moral downfall that Yahya was murdered and nothing was done to the king who murdered this great prophet of Allah. And these people were there. And it kind of shows you the state of the people. Isa salam starts his da'wah. One of the most interesting things about Isa is that he was a traveler. He traveled a lot. And this is one of the reasons why, if you remember in our previous class, I explained to you why he is referred to as Al-Masih. One of the interpretations of Al-Masih, why he's called this is because Masih could mean someone who covers a lot of ground, someone who travels a lot. Isa went city to city, village to village, calling people to Allah. He was so engaged and so focused on what he was doing that during his period on this earth, until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifted him in the heavens, he did not get married. Isa salam did not get, he didn't get married. He focused purely on his da'wah. Now when you come with, to people with da'wah, and when you come to people inviting them towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in particular if you're challenging them, the people will demand proof. And this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divinely offers the prophets the honor and the gift of miracles, mu'ajizat. This is something that we've discussed in the past in the stories of almost all the prophets. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave each and every one of them a mu'ajizah. Keep in mind, mu'ajizahs are not just for a, a spectacle. They're not just something to go and see and, oh wow, that was really cool. That's not the purpose of a mu'ajizah. This is not a firework show. The mu'ajizah, the miracles have a purpose. In the Arabic language, the word used for miracles of the prophets, what is it guys? What's the word? Mu'ajizah. Mu'ajizah comes from the Arabic word i'jaz. Ijz means to not have the ability to do something. Ma'ajiz ho gaya, as we say in our language. I'm not capable of doing this. Ma'ajiz ho. I'm not capable of doing this. In the Arabic language, when you take a word from its three-letter skeleton and you turn it into if'al, which is a scale in the Arabic language, it means to... Up to, 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 to enact that verb on someone else, to make someone else incapable. So ijz means to be, to be incapable within yourself. I'jaz means to make someone else incapable. Okay? So, I'jaz. Murjiz comes from there, which means that which makes someone else incapable. That which makes someone else incapable. Incapable of what? Of responding. Once the miracle occurs, its nature is so strong, it's so powerful, that every time a prophet came with a miracle, the other side had two options. Either they submitted or walked home quietly. They couldn't argue back. فَبُهِتَ الَّذِي كَفَرَ As, as uh, Namrud said, that, um, that I give life and death. What did he say to Ibrahim salam? Ibrahim salam said, oh, you want to be smart like that? Like, you want to play this game? He said, إِنَّ اللَّهِ يَأْتِي بِالشَّمْسِ مِنَ Okay, you want to be smart? My Allah raises the sun from the east. Let me see you raise the sun from the west. What does Allah say in the next part of the verse? The guy was gobsmacked, lost of words. He couldn't say anything. Because how was he going to raise the sun from the west? There's no chance for him to do that. This is what a mu'jizah is. It's the end of discussion. 
At that point, if you continue to deny, you're being arrogant. And that's when the punishment of Allah comes. Therefore, there were so many times where people asked the Prophet ﷺ for miracles, and he did not give those miracles. He didn't even ask Allah for those miracles. The reason is because had he asked Allah for the miracle, and the miracle did come, anyone who rejected after that would be destroyed. This is the sunnah of Allah. Allah gives the miracle, anyone who rejects after that will be destroyed. And Rasulullah wasn't keen on the destruction of his people, he was keen for the guidance of his people. Right? Another thing about the mu'adizat, the miracles, remember this. The Prophet cannot induce a miracle. They can't cause a miracle. This is a part of our aqidah. And we'll see this as we study Isa salam's miracles because again and again he keeps saying something. It's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that someone was going to attribute divinity to him. So he kept saying every time with, he, did, he performed a miracle, bi'idhnillah, 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 bi'idhnillah. Like he kept saying it. It's not common for someone to repeat something again and again. It's against fasaha actually. You, you don't say one thing four times. You say it once and then you leave it. That's eloquence. You don't repeat the same thing four times. But Isa kept repeating it again. I'm only able to do this with the permission of Allah, by the command of Allah, by the will of Allah. And we'll discuss that when we get there. Now we look at Surah Ma'idah. We look at Surah Ma'idah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verses 110 to 120 talks about Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. And in verse 110 in particular, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the miracles of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. The verses from 110 to 120 first talk about the miracles of Isa alayhi salam. Then there is a mention of the disciples of Isa alayhi salam and a request they made for a table for a dinner. And the, the, the verse ends with a, with a conversation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have with Isa alayhi salam asking him, did you tell mankind to worship you? And it's a very powerful conversation towards the end of Surah Al-Ma'idah. Now when we look at these miracles, there are four great miracles mentioned in the Quran of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. Among many, but four mentioned. Now when you look at these four miracles, there is one constant theme you find in them, that they're somehow related to the discipline of medicine. Somehow they're all related to the discipline of medicine. Keep in mind, the purpose of a miracle is i'jaz. What's the purpose? To in incapacitate someone. And the best way to do that is to take the one thing they're arrogant over and slam them in that. They won't have anything to say. Because if I outdo someone in something they're not good at, what will they say? I don't like soccer, play me in basketball. Right? They'll say, I don't like, I don't like grilling. I dare you to have a bake-off. I'll show you how to bake. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't beat around the bush. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-qawi, al-aziz, al-hakim. Not afraid at all. What are you most confident in? Why don't you tell me? We're most confident in poetry. Okay, let's see what you can do now. Here comes the Quran. Show us what you got now. Bring one verse equivalent to the Quran and let's talk. Okay, what do you got? What are you guys good at? You good at magic? Let me show you guys. Musa alayhi salam, throw your staff down. Shut these people up. Let's send them home. Get out of here. Then comes um, Sayyidina Isa salam. What is it that you're arrogant about? What is it that you guys think you're really good at? And in particular, Romans, wasn't something, what's something they thought they were very advanced at? Medicine. They thought they had figured medicine out. In comes Isa salam. Isa salam deals with those illnesses that they cannot deal with. Right? Isa salam brings 
such miracles that the, bright, the most brightest minds of the time had no idea how to even deal with these things. So the Ajaz was true. They were truly like this gobsmacked, lost for words. They could not say, say anything at all. What are these miracles? Okay. Now one thing as well, one thing I want to mention before I continue. These miracles were not unlimited. Does everyone understand that? It's not like Isa had a clinic and people were just coming and he was curing them, collecting Medicaid money and just curing them all day and night. That's not what was happening here. Okay. Isa was offering cure to a select group of people. How did he select these people? Who were these people? Why these people? There's a lengthy discussion on all of it, but the truth is, and the summary of it all is, Allahu A'lam. What's the summary of all of it? Which means what? Allah knows. Allah selected these people, why he selected them, who he selected, all of this is in the knowledge of Allah. So for example, you'll find some Israeli riwayat mentioning that there were four people in total that Isa brought back, to death, brought back to life, and one of them was a son of Nuh Allahu alam. Is it true? Is it false? We don't know. What we can say is that the miracle occurred, which was that Isa brought some people who were dead back to life. And again, I want to be clear, this was not out of his own doing. This was out of the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used him as a sabab. Someone writes a phenomenal, beautiful dissertation on some very sophisticated academic issue. Who from here would start praising the pen? Man, that pen killed it. That was a sick pen right there. Right? And I don't want to equip prophets to pens because very clearly that would be blasphemous and very disrespectful. But try to understand what I'm trying to say here. In this instant, in instance and in this example, the prophets are the sabab. And just like a person writing a paper, the qalam is the sabab. The one behind the sabab is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why the prophets of Allah were very clear, very clear in their message that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does what He wants to. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it very clear for mankind so there's never any disbelief. Anytime anything occurs out of nature, it's kind of like a tendency of human beings to get involved with superstition and an, an attribution of divine attributes to humankind. This is more or less the summary of most polytheistic religions. Right? Someone had some sort of a miraculous event occur in their life. The human mind couldn't understand how a deficient human being could do something miraculous in nature. So they attribute that divine nature to divinity within that person. Do, are you guys following here? We as Muslims say what? A naqis insan, an incomplete human being, a deficient human being, can do something miraculous in nature as long as you understand he's the one that that miraculous nature is manifesting itself on but the one causing that miracle is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want it to happen and hypothetically this is just an example not that this ever occurred the Prophet wants it to happen but Allah says no it's not going to happen can it happen? what happened with Yunus and his people? Yunus thought the punishment of Allah was going to come Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not will for that punishment to come. Did that punishment come? Did the punishment come? It didn't come. So you have to have our aqidah straight when it comes to um, this issue. Now what are these miracles? Number one, now this is not in um, 
uh, in the verse of Surah Ma'idah. This is the one that's mentioned in Surah Ali Imran. The rest of the uh, verses that I'll be sharing are all from that 110 to 120 of Surah, of Surah Ma'idah. In Surah Ali Imran, verse number 49, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions one of the miracles of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. وَأُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا تَأْكُلُونَ وَمَا تَدَّخِرُونَ فِي بُيُوتِكُمْ That I can tell you of the food that you have at home. I can tell you of what you've eaten, first thing. وَأُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا تَأْكُلُونَ I can tell you of what you're eating. وَمَا تَدَّخِرُونَ فِي بُيُوتِكُمْ And that which you're storing at home. Now, let's come back to the verses of Surah Ma'idah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that from the miracles of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam is that he would tell the people, he would tell the people, uh, he would be able to, he would make the shape of a bird from clay blow into it and it would turn into a living bird. Do you guys understand? He would take a bird, take a, take a clay, mold it into the shape of a he would take mold uh, into the form of a bird. He would then blow into it. And so it would become a bird by my permission. Tubri'u means to give cure. Number two. So we covered uh, informing them of what they ate and what's in their home. Second thing, the bird. Number three. And you can give cure to al-akma and al-abras. Akma, the scholars they say, akma refers to that person who is blind from birth. Akma, Khalil, قال الخليل, Khalil he says, al-akma hu man wulida a'ma. Akma is someone who is born blind. Wal-a'ma man wulida basiran thumma amiya. And the a'ma, the Arabic word a'ma refers to someone who was born with vision and sight, but then over a period they lose their eyesight. This is one ability that you, Allah gave to Isa alayhis He could give cure to the leper, right, leprosy. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that from the miracles of Isa alayhis was that he can bring the dead back to life. The Mufassirun mentioned that this miracle occurred with four people. How many people? Isa alayhi salam did this on four separate instances. Now we go to the beginning of the verse actually. I want to spend some time at the, at the beginning of the verse before we move forward. Now at the beginning of the verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَإِذْ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَى بْنَ مَرْيَمُ اذْكُرْ نِعْمَتِي عَلَيْكَ وَعَلَى وَالِدَتِكْ إِذْ أَيَّتُكَ بِرُوحِ الْقُدُسِ تُكَلِّمُ النَّاسِ فِي الْمَهْدِ وَكَهْلَى Now this part is where I want to focus. وَإِذْ عَلَّمْتُكَ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَالتَّوْرَاتَ وَالْإِنْجِيلَ Allah is reminding Isa alayhi salam of his favors. That we favored you and your mother. We, um, we gave you the ability to speak from the cradle. You spoke at an older age. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And we gave you the knowledge of um, we gave you the knowledge of the ability to write. We taught Isa alayhi salam, وَإِذَ الْحِكْمَةَ وَالْفَهْمِ We gave you the ability to write and to understand. وَالتَّوْرَاتَ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ Now, to write and understand, and then Allah says, وَالتَّوْرَاتَ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ The ulama, they give a very beautiful um, point here for us to understand. Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi, he writes, 
أن الاطلاع على أسرار الكتب الإلهية لا يحصل إلا لمن صار بانيا في أصناف العلوم الشرعية والعقلية الظاهرة التي يبحث عنها العلماء. That Allah subhanahu wa taala mentions granting Isa alayhi salam Torah and Injil secondly, but first he mentions what we gave you the ability to understand and write. Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi says that the secrets of Allah, this divine wisdom, divine knowledge, is only granted to that person who first dedicates themselves to the primary discussions, the primary levels of knowledge. If you want to understand the depth of tafsir or the wisdoms of the Qur'an, you first need to figure out how to read alif, ba, ta, tha, jim, ha, kha, dal, dal. Do you guys understand? You need to first figure out basic Arabic grammar. You need to be able to read, understand, figure out your vocab. Like you can't become an allama without covering your basics. You can't understand sophisticated math until you've done your basics first. And this is a very beautiful uh, point that Imam Fakhruddin al-Razi brings. Okay, now we go back to the part where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the miracles that were granted to Isa salam. And I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to repeat this now and finish this discussion. That every time Allah mentions a miracle of Isa salam, He keeps bringing this word bi'idhni, bi'idhni, bi'idhni. And what does that mean? With my permission, with my will, without the will of Allah, all of this was impossible. Why was Isa salam, why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminding Isa salam of this again and again? The reason is, again Imam al-Razi says, I'll just read the whole statement, then I'll explain the parts that are relevant. وَإِذْ تُخْرِجُ الْمَوْتَى بِإِذْنِ أَيْ وَإِذْ تُخْرِجُ الْمَوْتَى مِنْ قُبُورِهِمْ أَحْيَاءً بِإِذْنِ أَيْ بِفِعْلِ ذَلِكَ عِنْدَ دُعَائِكَ وَعِنْدَ قَوْلِكَ لِلْمَيِّتْ أُخْرُجْ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ مِنْ قَبْرِكَ وَذِكْرُ الْإِذْنِ فِي هَذِهِ الْأَفَاعِيلِ إِنَّمَا هُوَ عَلَى مَعْنَى إِضَافَةِ حَقِيقَةِ الْفِعْلِ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى كَقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى وَمَا كَانَ لِنَفْسٍ أَن تَمُوتَ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repeatedly says بِإِذْنِ 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 It's to remind the one that's seeing this miracle, the one who's performing the miracle, the one who's reading of the miracle, that the true attribution of this miracle is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because وَمَا كَانَ لِنَفْسٍ أَن تَمُوتَ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ No person can die, and we can also deduce from this, no person can come to life without the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ironing out our aqidah to make sure there are no wrinkles or no misunderstandings. Now, following this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, again in these very same verses of Surah Ma'idah, He makes reference to a story and incident. There were a group of people who were very close to Isa salam, his followers, who were known as the Hawariyun. What were they called? Al-Hawariyun. Now, what, are, what, is, what does the word Hawari mean? And who are these Hawariyun? Hawari means to be pure and clean. Some scholars, they say these people were called Hawariyun because they were cleaners. They used to wash garments, that's why. Some say they were called Hawariyun because they wore clean garments. They wore white garments. Other scholars say they were called Hawariyun because they were very sincere, very pure. They were devoted and dedicated to Sayyidina, Isa alayhi salam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith, If I had a hawari, it would be Zubair radiallahu anhu. If I had a hawari, it would be who? Zubair ibn Awwam radiallahu anhu. 
Now, how did Isa meet these people? What did they do? What was their role? Not much is mentioned in authentic narrations, to be honest. There are a lot of um, Christian traditions on this, but I'm not going to engage in them. I won't spend too much time on them because not, mu not much of it is established to, through authentic traditions. These people, these Hawari, this group of Hawari folks, Hawari, the helpers of disciples of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, the Quran says that they said to Isa alayhi salam, هَلْ يَسْتَطِيعُ رَبُّكَ أَنْ يُنَزِّلَ عَلَيْنَا مَائِدَةً مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ Is your Lord able, is He capable of sending down from the heavens a table of food? Ma'idah means, you know, any tablecloth or any spread that people eat on. In our language, we call it dastakhan or a table, you know, a dinner table. Is your Lord able to do this? Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, actually before I continue, there's one point I need to discuss. The verse before this, verse number 111, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding the Hawariyun says, Allah says, I told the Hawariyun, I inspired the Hawariyun. The word used here is awha. What's the word used here? وَإِذْ أَوْحَى And we've discussed this before. It's not wise to translate the word awha as revelation at all times. Those who claim that Maryam salam was a prophet or Musa salam's mother was a prophet, they said Musa salam's mother was a prophet because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ أُمِّ مُوسَى And I explained to you at that time that there are places in the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word awha which would most times be translated as revelation, divine revelation, and would connotate prophethood, but there are places where it doesn't. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this very same verb when conversing with a <coughs> with a with a honeybee. A nahl means a honeybee. So here too, it's almost a consensus amongst Muslim scholars that these disciples were not prophets. Therefore, this inspiration. Either it means Allah revealed to Isa salam who conveyed to them, that's one possibility, that's an easy interpretation. Or it means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired the hearts of these folks, and this would then open up the discussion of ilham. And ilham, can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspire the heart of His servant to do something? Absolutely. There are many examples of this. There is no rejection there. Both possibilities are plausible. Both of them are very possible. Now when these people made this request to Isa salam, Isa salam, immediately said to them, Be conscious of Allah, what are you guys saying? If you're believers, why are you asking for this? Why are you asking of this? If you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They then respond back by saying, That we wish to eat, we're hungry. We wish to have further certainty in what you've told us. We wish to be witnesses on, of your miracles. And you know, Make dua to your Lord if He can show us this. Now, there are a few discussions here. The first discussion is why did the Hawariyun ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this miracle? Okay, it's the first question. The Quran tells us for uh, some reasons why. The first thing is that it's possible, that it's possible they were maybe just hungry. They were struggling, they had been traveling, they had gone through a lot and they were hungry, so they said to Sayyidina Isa salam that, you know, um, can you ask your Lord to bring some food to us? Another possibility is that they wanted further certainty in their belief. 
like Ibrahim السلام, said to Allah, Rabbi Arini, كَيْفَ تُحْيِي الْمَوْتَى O my Lord, show me how will you bring the dead back to life. So that's another possibility. They just wanted further certainty. Another explanation some scholars have given, أَنَّ جَمِيعَ تِلْكَ الْمُعْجِزَاتِ الَّتِي أَوْرَدْتَهَا كَانَتْ مُعْجِزَاتِ أَرْضِيَّةِ وَهِيَ مُعْجِزَةٌ سَمَاوِيَّةِ وَهِيَ أَعْجَبُ أَعْضَمُ that they said to Isa salam that all the miracles you've shown us thus far were all worldly miracles. But we wish to see a divine miracle, something coming from the heavens. And that's why they said, uh, Can he send to us a tablecloth full of food from, from the heavens? Let it descend before our eyes. Isa salam first said to them, be, be conscious of Allah. They said, no, ask Allah. We just, and they gave their reasoning. Isa salam did ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, Ya Allah, send down to us, Rabbana anzil alayna ma'idatan min as-sama' takoolu lana eidan li awwalina wa akhirina wa ayatan mink warzuqna wa anta khayru raziq. And Ya Allah, sustain us. You are the best of sustainers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted the request of Isa alayhi salam. Allah azza wa jal says, Inni munazziluha alaykum. Qala Allah, Inni munazziluha alaykum. Allah azza wa jal said, I will send down this dinner that you're asking for. However, it comes with a condition. Whoever chooses disbelief after the miracle comes. Remember I told you guys? When a miracle comes, anyone who rejects after that, what comes next for them? The punishment of Allah comes. I will punish them in a fashion that the world has never seen. Okay, this is where this story ends. There's a discussion amongst the scholars, did this tablecloth even come down? They requested, Isa asked Allah, Allah said, I will send it, but it comes with a condition. Therefore, one group of scholars, A group of mufassirun, what did they say? That this tablecloth did not come down. Why? Because he says that when the people heard that Allah warned them that if this comes and you reject, you will be punished in a way the world hasn't seen, they said to Isa salam then, we don't want it because the responsibility is too great. This is one position. The Jamhur al-Ulama, majority of the ulama, majority of the mufassirun, muhaddithun, Historians are of the position innaha nazalat. What do they say? That that tablecloth did come. Okay. They give many um, many proofs. I won't go through the proofs, but nonetheless, this tablecloth does come down. The people do eat from there. What's on the tablecloth? What does it consist of? How did it come down? Who opened the tablecloth? What happened after that? Did they accept it? Did they reject it? The Quran does not mention any of it. There is one riwayah that I'll share with you. Uh, Imam al-Razi narrates it with a ruya. He narrates it and at the beginning of the narration, he uses the verbiage ruya. What's the verbiage? Ruya. Whenever you find at the beginning of a narration, the verbiage ruya or qila, not qala, qila or ruya, that generally means this is a weak narration. And ruya is even weaker. What does that mean? It's a very weak narration. But I'll share the narration with you anyway. 
He says, Anna Isa alayhi salam lama arada dua'a labisa sufan. That when Isa alayhi salam intended to make dua, he wore a garment of wool. Thumma qal, then he said, Allahumma anzala alayna. O oh Allah, send it down to us. Fanazalat sufratun hamara. A red tablecloth came. Baina ghamamatain. Ghamamatun fawqaha wa ukhra tahtaha. Between two clouds, one cloud was above it, one cloud was beneath it. وَهُمْ يَنْظُرُونَ إِلَيْهَا And they were looking at this tablecloth as it was descending. حَتَّى سَقَطَتْ بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ فَبَكَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ Until they saw that tablecloth come in front of them, Isa salam cried when it came. And he said, اللهم جعلني من الشاكرين اللهم جعلها رحمة ولا تجعلها مثلة وعقوبة Oh Allah, make, oh Allah, make me from those that are grateful. Ya Allah, make it a mercy. Don't make it a punishment upon us. وَقَالَ لَهُمْ لِيَقُمْ أَحْسَنُكُمْ عَمَلًا يَكْشِفُ عَنْهَا The best of you should stand up. Isa salam said to his followers, the best of you should stand up. وَيَكْشِفَ عَنْهَا And he should open the tablecloth. وَيَذْكُرُ اسْمَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهَا And he should say the name of Allah when opening it. وَيَأْكُلْ مِنْهَا And he should eat from it. فَقَالَ شَمْعُونَ رَأْسُ الْحَوَارِيِّينَ The leader of the disciples, he said, أَنْتَ أَوْلَى بِذَلِكَ O Isa, you are the one most deserving of this. فَقَامَ عِيسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ وَتَوَضَّأَ وَصَلَّى وَبَكَى ثُمَّ كَشَفَ الْمِنْدِيلِ Isa alayhi salam got up, performed wudu, prayed to Raka, cried in front of Allah, and then he opened up the tablecloth. وَقَالَ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ خَيْرُ الرَّازِقِينَ He said, oh, in the name of Allah who is the best of sustainers. And inside this now, what was it? فَإِذَا سَمَكُتٌ مَشْوِيَّةٌ بِلَا شَوْكٍ وَلَا فُسُولٍ تَسِيلُ دَسَمًا آه. What a meal. عِنْدَ رَأْسِهَا مِلْحٌ وَعِنْدَ ذَنْبِهَا خَلٌ وَحَوْلَهَا مِنْ أَلْوَانِ مِنْ أَلْوَانِ الْبُقُولِ مَا خَلَى الْكُرَّاثِ وَإِذَا خَمْسَةُ أَرْغِفَةٍ عَلَى وَاحِدَةٍ مِنْهَا زَيْتُونَ وَعَلَى الثَّانِي عَسَلٍ وَعَلَى الثَّالِثِ سَمَنٍ سَمْنٌ وَعَلَى الرَّابِعِ جُبْنٌ وَعَلَى الْخَامِسِ قَدِيدٌ فَقَالَ شَمْعُونَ يَا رُوحَ اللَّهِ أَمِنْ طَعَامِ الدُّنْيَا أَمِنْ طَعَامِ الْآخِرَةِ قَالَ لَيْسَ مِنْهُمَا وَلَكِنَّهُ شَيْءٌ اِخْتَرَعُهُ اللَّهُ بِالْقُدْرَةِ الْعَالِيَةِ كُلُوا مَا سَأَلْتُمْ وَشْكُرُوا يُمْدِدْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَزِدْكُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ So anyway, they describe this very uh, beautiful tablecloth which has all these vegetables and it has olives there and it has honey there and it has vinegar there and it has fish there. Allahu A'lam, again, I told you guys at the beginning, how was this narration, how does it start? This is very important, which means that a lot of this could be a little bit, mashallah, astaghfirullah. Allah knows best. <coughs> I saw one video on YouTube. There was a guy somewhere, and I know where, I'm not going to say where. There was a guy outside of America, he had a restaurant, and he, he, on his menu he had a dish called Ma'ida. Ma'ida to Isa. What was it called? Ma'ida. True story, by the way. It was quite pricey, by the way. It's quite pricey. People, mashallah, the ummah has never left a moment to make money off of the deen. If there's ever an opportunity to make money off the deen, what have, what have we done? Like there, one time I saw a video, a, a marketing video on TV, the Islamic phone. What was it called? The Islamic phone. Like what's the Islamic phone? It filters out all bad words or something? Like, I don't know, what does the Islamic phone look like? It limits how many words you say, three words per conversation? And he won't believe what it was. It was a standard um, Android phone 
with a few Adhan app, like an Adhan app pre-downloaded on there. There was like a Quran app pre-downloaded on there. A bunch of lectures in five different languages pre-downloaded. And what are we calling it now? The Islamic phone. Wala hawla, wala quwwata illa billah. Allahumma ahfadana. So yes, so in this video, the brother he, at his restaurant is showing us what it looks like to have the Ma'idatu Isa. And he's showing this here, and he's, he's like, he's quoting this riwayah right here. You know how the riwayah says that there was this there, he shows that, and this fish here, and this is the fish, and there was this type of fish, and there was no this and no that, and all this. Allah Anyway, the riwayah says, Shamun, the leader of the, the head of the disciples, said, Is this food from the dunya or is it from the, from the heavens? And, and Isa alayhi salam says that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Eat what you've asked for, thank Allah, He will increase you of his fa- from His favor. Um, the riwayah then says, فَقَالَ الْحَوَارِيُّونَ يَا رُوحَ اللَّهِ لَوْ أَرَيْتَنَا مِنْ هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ آيَةً أُخْرَى فَقَالَ يَا سَمَكَةُ أَحْيِي بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ فَاضْفَرَبَتْ ثُمَّ قَالَ عُودِي كَمَا كُنْتِ فَعَادَتْ مَشْوِيَةً They said, Oh, Isa, show us another miracle from this miracle. So Isa salam, said to the fish, come alive, and it began to move. And then he said, return back to your original position. And it became, uh, like, it settled again, and it went back to its fried form. Allahu alam. Um, he then says, ثُمَّ طَارَتِ الْمَائِذَا ثُمَّ عَصَوْ مِنْ بَعْدِهَا وَخَنَازِيرٍ A group of them rejected. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment came down to them. Um... We move forward, just one last discussion, and we'll this, with this will end. The Qur'an then talks in detail, some degree of detail, about the last phase of Isa salam's life in the dunya before he was lifted. Not the end of Isa salam's life, because that's something that will occur after. From the signs of the Day of Judgment is that Isa salam will return. But the last time, last period of Isa life on this world prior to ascension, the Qur'an uh, discusses this with some detail. Okay. Now in Surah An-Nisa, verse number 155 to verse number 159, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the reality of what occurred at the end of Isa time in the dunya. Now in order to understand this, what you need to know is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed Isa with many miracles. The miracles are mojis. Because of their nature, People could not respond to them. Therefore, Isa salam built popularity and a following. There was a movement. There were people that started following Sayyidina Isa salam. Whenever there's a new movement and there are followers that come, there's always going to be a people that will feel threatened. And in this scenario, it was a leaders of the Yahud from Banu Israel. They began to feel threatened by Isa salam. They felt jealous and they were they were jealous of his uh, popularity. The other thing was, Banu Israel, even though he showed them so many miracles, this group of Yahud of Banu Israel, they were convinced that he was an imposter. No matter how many miracles he showed them, they were convinced he was an imposter. So what did they do? They went to the Roman leadership, and they kind of turned the narrative. Rather than saying that we are threatened by him, they said you should be threatened by him. Because he's building a following. And a time will come where he will have such a large following, you won't be able to do something. You need to do something about this right away. The Romans had no consideration or care for this man. 
for them it was a simple solution. Put a bullet in his head, story's over. You know, one guy less in the world ain't gonna hurt anyone. That's their perspective, their way of thinking. So now they sent an, a group of people, an army, a battalion, to go and arrest Isa salam and to execute him. This group of people, they figure out the location of where Isa salam was. Isa salam was sitting in a room with his disciples and these people, they came and they surrounded the home. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divinely inspires Sayyidina Isa salam of what's going on. That there are a group of people outside, they intend to kill you. Now what happens? There are multiple narrations that are quoted at this point. I'm going to start with the narration that is quoted by Allama ibn Kathir in his tafsir. He mentions that when Isa was inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَمَّا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ أَنْ يَرْفَعَ عِيسَى إِلَى السَّمَاءِ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ خَرَجَ إِلَىٰ أَصْحَابِهِ وَهُمْ فِي بَيْتٍ إِثْنَا عَشَرَ رَجُلًا مِنْ عَيْنٍ فِي الْبَيْتِ وَرَأْسُهُ يَقْتُرُ مَاءً Isa came to his disciples, they were all in the same home, and his head was dripping with, his head was dripping with water. فَقَالَ إِنَّ مِنْكُمْ مَنْ يَكْفُرُ بِإِثْنَتَيْ عَشَرَ مَرَّةً بَعْدَ أَنْ آمَنَ بِي ثُمَّ قَالَ أَيُّكُمْ يُلْقَى عَلَيْهِ شَبَهِ فَيُقْتَلْ مَكَانِي وَيَكُونُ مَعِي فِي دَرَجَتِي I'm going to translate the second part because we're short on time and I want to cover the incident. He said, who from you is willing to take my spot? Allah will give you my resemblance. You will be taken in my place, you will be killed in my place, and you will be my companion in Jannah. فَقَامَ شَابٌ مِنْ أَحْدَثِهِمْ سِنًّا A young man stood up who was the youngest of those disciples. فَقَالَ أَنَا He said, I'll do it. Isa السلام said to him, اجلس ثم أعاد عليهم فقام الشاب فقال أنا ثم قال له اجلس ثم عاد عليهم فقام الشاب فقال أنا Isa السلام when this young man stood up and said, I will be the one who will take your place and I wish to be your companion in paradise. Isa السلام saw his age and saw him being so young. What did he say to him? You sit, not you. He repeated the, the call. Who stands up again? This young man. This happens three times. The third time, Isa salam said, Naam antadak. You will be that person. فَأُلْقِيَ عَلَيْهِ شَبَهُ عِيسَى وَرُفِيَ عِيسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ مِنْ رَوْزَنَةٍ فِي الْبَيْتِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ Isa salam's resemblance was given to this person. Isa salam was lifted to the heavens. وَجَاءَ الطَّلَبُ مِنَ الْيَهُودِ فَأَخَذُوا شَبِيهَهُ فَقَتَلُوهُ وَصَلَبُوهُ What happened? The soldiers came in, they arrested this man who looked like Isa السلام, they killed him, they crucified him. This is one narration. Another narration states that what actually happened was that they, the soldiers came and surrounded the house of Isa السلام. They sent one soldier inside to go and check if he's there. When this man went inside, because of his ill intentions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the resemblance of Isa salam. When he came out, they arrested him saying, oh, we got him. He said, what do you mean you got him? They said, you're Isa. He said, no, I'm not. He couldn't see his face in the mirror. These people, they took him. He kept saying, it's not me, it's not me. They took him and dragged him. They put him on the cross and they killed him. وَلَكِنْ شُبِّهَ لَهُمْ There was a confusion dropped upon these people because of which they missed their target. وَإِنَّ الَّذِينَ اخْتَلَفُوا فِيهِ لَفِي شَكِّمْ مِنْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says these people, everything they did 
in the matter of Isa was based on conjecture. There was no certainty. The certainty is, وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ yaqina. What's the one certain thing about this whole story? What's the certain thing, guys? They did not kill him. Allah says this. He does, before that, Allah says, وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ وَمَا صَلَبُوهُ And then He says again, مَا قَتَلُوهُ yaqina. Allah says, they did not kill him, they did not crucify him. And then, in the end of that verse, Allah says again, وَمَا قَتَلُوهُ They certainly did not kill him. بَلْ رَفَعَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَيْهِ Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised him. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بَرَّفَعَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَيْهِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَزِيزًا حَكِيمًا And in closing, in verse number 159, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِن مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا لَيُؤْمِنَنَّ بِهِ قَبْلَ مَوْتِهِ And there is none from the people of the scripture, but that he will surely believe in Isa alayhi salam before his death. Before his death, whose death is this referring to? Before the death of Isa alayhi salam. That all of Christians before his death will have the correct belief regarding him. And he will testify against them on the Day of Judgment. What does this mean? The scholars, they tell us that from the signs of the Day of Judgment is that Isa salam will return to the world. The hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari. Imam Bukhari narrates with his sanad عن ابن شهاب عن سيد بن مسيب عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه from أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سر والذي نفسي بيدي by the one in whose hand lies my soul ليوشكن أن ينزل فيكم ابن مريم حكما عدلا فيكسر السريب ويقتل الخنزير ويضع الجزية ويفيض الماء حتى لا يقبله أحد حتى لا يقبله أحد حتى تكون السجدة خيرا من الدنيا وما فيها ثم يقول أبو هريرة اقرأوا إن شئتم وإن من أهل الكتاب إلا ليؤمنن به قبل موته ويوم القيامة يكون عليهم شهدا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said before the end of times Isa alayhi salam will descend back to the earth he will return to the earth he will be a judge he will be honest he will be truthful he will be just he will break the cross he will kill the swine he will remove the rulings of jizya which is a legal ruling in Islam he will then, wealth will become so common because of justice and because everyone will be fulfilling their duties that there will be no one on this earth who will be willing to even accept it because everyone will have wealth. If everyone is giving wealth, everyone will have wealth. <coughs> and a point will come where people will lose interest in worldly things and the most beloved thing to people will be a sajda. The sajda will be more beloved to people than everything the world has to offer. Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu said, If you wish, read the verse, There will not be a person from the people of the scripture, but he will surely believe in him before his death. Isa when he returns, he will deal with the fitna of the jal. Rasulullah tells us that he will face the jal and he will destroy the jal. Rasulullah tells us that when Isa will return, he will not come in the capacity after the Prophet. Because there will be no Prophet after the Prophet. He will be a Prophet but will come to the world in the capacity as a follower of Rasulullah. Do you guys understand? As a follower of Rasulullah. Someone can say, Yadaul Jizya. Rasulullah established the ruling of Jizya. As much as I'd like to go into the details, I'm not going to right now just because of time restrictions. 
Rasulullah established jizya. This is a tax that must be given. And it says Isa will remove it. Therefore, if Isa is removing the tax, tax, that means he's still a prophet because he's causing change in sharia. So this is an argument made that Isa will return back as a prophet. The answer to that is that he will remove the jizya because today the prophet is telling him to remove the jizya. He's not enacting a new ruling. He's fulfilling the command of Rasulullah He will come back as a follower of Rasulullah The hadith mentions he will marry. And Rasulullah also tells us that he will pass away in the dunya. And we close with the ayah of the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيَّ يَوْمَ وُلِدْتُ وَيَوْمَ أَمُوتُ وَيَوْمَ أُبَعَثُ Isa alayhi salam did not teach people to believe in him as a son of God. Isa alayhi salam did not command anyone to worship him. Allah Azawajal tells us in the verses of Surah Ma'idah, Allah says, I will ask Isa, أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِي وَأُمْيَ إِلَاهَيْنِ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Did you tell people to worship you? Did you tell people to worship you and leave me aside? Isa salam says, I will say, Subhanak. Oh Allah, you're glorified. How can I tell them to do something that I have no right to? In alimta. Ya Allah, if I told them to worship me, you know of it. You know what's in my heart. I do not know what's in your heart. Ya Allah, you are the knowers. You are the knower of the unseen. Ma illa ma amartani bi. Ya Allah, I did not tell them, but what you commanded me to tell them. And what did Isa salam teach his people? Aniabudullah Rabbi wa Rabbakum. Wa kuntu alayhim shahidam ma dumtu fihim. I told them to worship you, Ya Allah, my Lord and your Lord. And I was a witness amongst them as long as I was there. Falamma tawafaitani. And when you elevated me and when you lifted me, kunta anta raqiba alayhim. You were the one who watched over them. And this verse right here, Rasulullah would read this verse and he would cry all night while reading this verse in his tahajjud. This next verse, verse number 118 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. Ya Allah, should you punish them, then indeed they are your servants. No one can stop that. If you punish them, any of your creation, then they're your servants, no one can stop you. But if you choose to forgive them, indeed, you are the one who is exalted in might and wisdom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, This is the day, the day of judgment, that the truthfulness of those who spoke the truth will benefit them. And the greatest truth that any human being could ever speak is la ilaha illallah. The most truthful statement, astaqu ma qal, the most truthful statement that any person has ever said is the qawl of Labid, the famous poet. And what did he say? Everything other than Allah is batil. The most truthful statement any poet ever said was, and without any exaggeration, kullu shay'in ma khalallahu batil. Everything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is batil. And those who spoke the truth, meaning who said it, who believed in Allah, and we say, La ilaha illallah. Those who spoke the truth, for them Allah says, For them will be gardens underneath which rivers are flow. They will remain therein forever. anhum. Allah will be pleased with them. They will be pleased with Allah. That is the great success. 
لِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا فِيهِنْ Mankind can say whatever they want to. So-and-so is a daughter of God, so-and-so is a son of God, so-and-so is a helper of God, so-and-so is a partner of God. You can say whatever you want, but Allah tells us what the truth is. لِلَّهِ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ To Allah belongs the dominion, the kingdom of the heavens and the, heavens and the earth. وَمَا فِيهِنَّ And everything that was created is Allah's. They're not partners of Allah. They belong to Allah. وَهُوَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Allah doesn't need anyone's help. He can do whatever He wants on His own. He's got it all under control. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to understand and benefit from the beautiful life of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. وصلى الله تعالى على سيدنا محمد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته